0: Good evening. It's a good night to encounter God, right? Come on. I really, uh, I'm excited about Saturday nights. I'm excited about this service. I really feel like God wants to use this service to, uh, I don't know, just really uh, show up because I know In the past, it's always just been that service that, like, you know, you've got to be a little offbeat to show up to, you know, because it's Saturday night, there's a little more freedom in worship. Anyway, just gets me excited, and um, I'm just excited because I really feel like God, you know, God is just on it. We took a break for a while, and I think that was appropriate, but I don't know. We're just, everybody I talk to feels the same way, too. That's how I know I'm not crazy. It's part of the way I know I'm not crazy. All right. I'm going to pray us in and then we're going to um we're going to jump into it. God, thank you for tonight. Father, um just thank you for your heart, Lord. Thank you for the amazing things, Lord, that you want to do tonight, God, here in this place, Lord, among this group of people, Father. I just thank you for it, Lord. I thank you that we're just one body, Father, made up of so many different parts, Lord. No part more important than the next, Father, but that God, you use us Lord, as vessels of your heart, Lord, to just uh, minister to each other, and we get to be a part of it, Lord, and it's just, um, thank you so much for that, Father, thank you so much for that, God. We just ask, um, Lord, just have your will, have your way in this place tonight, God, and this whole weekend, Lord, for Sunday morning, God, too, we just ask, Lord, it's, uh, church is just boring without you, so. We, uh, we want to do it with you, God. And even if sometimes that means taking risks and sometimes that means we fall, but we get to get back up and we get to say, God, how do you want to do it this time? How do you want to do it, Lord? And you're just such a good father. So thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. And we just ask, God, I, like my heart's desire, Lord, that the revelation of your fatherhood would just be released in this place, God, in new and fresh ways because that's what gives us the boldness to take risks. It's knowing that you're a good father. So we ask, Lord, even tonight, Lord, that you'd release that revelation over each of us in a greater measure, God. In a greater measure, God. That we'd know it in a deeper level, Father God. That we'd know it in the depth of who we are, Father. And we'd be rooted and we'd be grounded, Father, in that truth, Lord, and none other, Father. Who you are to us, how you feel about us, who we are to you as Jesus was, Father. For soon is coming the days, Lord, when we will, ha- we will walk as Jesus walked on this earth, God. So let us be grounded now, Father, Lord, in the truths, Lord, that we need, Father, to carry out, Lord, what you're calling us to, God, in the coming days. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Tonight, I'm going to talk about reconciliation. Reconciliation. Um I have in my notes. If you look at many of the great stories that move our hearts, the movies that make us cry, often intertwined in the plot is this theme of reconciliation. That which has been torn apart, being brought back together. Um I don't know, is God actually gave me like the middle of this sermon before? So I was I was thinking through this and how um so often that's true in movies there's there there's this there's this theme and it touches our emotions and it touches who we are um and it's this theme of reconciliation anybody think of a good movie with reconciliation in it anybody all right let me know okay no okay i didn't i couldn't think of one off the top of my head anyway um but what's true is in stories for something to be reconciled There first comes a break, a disconnect. The relationship is broken, sometimes by choice and sometimes by circumstance. Um, I think if you look at our world, it's not hard to find brokenness and disconnect. Uh, Poverty, starvation, racism, sex, slavery, addiction. These are all fruits, in my opinion, of brokenness or disconnect. And there these they're what seems to be these really, really complex problems, right? These problems that you're like, how are we gonna solve world hunger? Like how like how is that gonna work? Like, you know, from a logistical level. And I think it all comes back to this thing of not not being connected in the right relationship that we're called to. Like, even now, like, as politicians stand up and they say, like, they have these solutions for things, they might have some good ideas and solutions, but ultimately it's putting a Band-Aid on the problem, right? The same with racism. Who thought racism would still be alive today? Right? You're like, didn't we deal with that? Isn't that over? And yet it continues to come up. And it's because there's a disconnect, and there's a brokenness, and it's all around us. I love, um, I think it was Bill Johnson said, we live in an orphan world. We live in an orphan world. You, like, younger people might get mad at this. I think, like, one of the funniest, or, like, the pictures of this is, like, the earbuds and the earphones. Like, from today's generation, like, so we're so disconnected from what's going on around us. You know, from, the, from re, the right relationship that was meant to be. I hope you're tracking with me. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. Um, so I think a lot of these problems in our wor- world have a similar solution, and that's reconciliation. Reconciliation. Let's look at Malachi 4, 5, and 6. I, this, God brought this verse to mind, and I didn't know where it was. And it's right at the end of the Old Testament, and I love that God put it there. Okay, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. This is God talking. He says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse i un- I never seen it before in the grand picture of things that he put it at the very end. It was like the capstone verse of the Old Testament. So you've got, um, you know, the Old Testament, like the whole law, like everything, like the prophets and the people of Israel going in and out and struggling and struggling. And then at the end, he says, he gives this word of hope. He says, um, he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers and then it ends. Ah. It's like the um it's like the scene in the movie, right, where you're like you get the glimpse of what could happen, but you're like is it gonna Um God has kept his father's heart hidden. Like in the Old Testament, and even all the way up to today, I think, God has kept his father's heart hidden. So you're like, why would he do that, right? Because if he's a good God, why would he keep his father's heart hidden? Um, for one, it's beautiful and vulnerable. And there's like different clues in scripture that like lead me to this theory. One of them is, Jesus said, if their eyes weren't blinded and they saw God as he were, they would turn and they'd be healed. In other words, Jesus is saying, because they don't see the Father as I see him yet, if they did, they'd know like he won't be able to hold anything back from them. It's really, it's a, it's a cool verse. But it, it goes to show like once again that the Father hasn't fully revealed himself. The other thing that God knows is hiddenness creates desire, which is weird. But if you're in a relationship, a romantic relationship, hiddenness creates desire. Like when, when you and your loved one are, are, are pulled apart for a short season, your desire builds, right? Hiddenness creates desire, and the Father understands that. And I think the greatest gift we give the Father is... Uh, our desire towards him. He just loves it. He just eats it up. There's also the verse that says it's the, it's the glory of God to hide a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. So really, like, God has set it up so that like, we don't have everything figured out about him or the Bible. Because otherwise, I wouldn't be standing up here because it'd be boring, right? We'd have it all figured out. Instead, God set it up so that he, he hid things for those who really want to try and figure it out and find it out. Like, he hid them for us. Bill Johnson tells a story of, it's like hiding Easter eggs for your three-year-old, right? You don't, you don't hide it, like, under a tree out in the woods. You put it on the coffee table. <laughs> because your delight as a parent, right, is seeing your child's eyes light up. And it's the same for the father, It's the same for the Father. Wow, we are really hauling through these notes. might be a fast sermon. Um, One time I was walking down Fair Avenue with the Lord, and I said, Lord, what am I going to speak on? And he said, "Um, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. I was like the Christmas thing. I was like, "All right," but what God was doing was He was putting like a savory steak of invitation before me. I didn't see it as that. I thought it was the Christmas story that I heard this whole time. And God, like, but God was like, "No, there's there's something in there that's hidden in there for you." Um, how many of you can recall times that? angels have broke forth into the sky singing, right? Not very often. Hasn't happened, right? Hasn't happened to me yet, okay? Okay, let's, all right, everyone pull out of their mind this idea that angels are unemotional because it's not true. So angels are very emotional and they're very aware and they're not controlled beings. They choose to worship God. Like, I'd, like, I'd imagine their worship services like the freedom and expression in their hearts as they weep before the Lord. That's the picture of angels I want you guys to have, okay? So what causes the angels to burst forth when Jesus is born? Do you think God was like, angels, Jesus was born, time to go, you know, do your proclamation thing with the shepherds? I don't think so. I'm gonna throw out a different idea. I think God, the Father, hid the plan from the angels as well. I think he hid his father heart and his, his, his uh, desperate longing for restoration with us. I think he hid it a little bit from them too. And I think he sent his son Jesus to be born in a manger. And I think the angels caught wind of it. But they didn't see Jesus. They didn't celebrate Jesus that night. They celebrated the heart of the Father. And the celebration was so intense, it, like heaven could not hold it back. As the angels declared, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. For on earth, like he's releasing his good pleasure to men on the earth. They saw the plan. They saw the plan. And they, they were so overcome by it, it like burst forth and the shepherds were there. And they were like, whoa, didn't know this was going on. What they saw, what they saw, they saw the reconciliation. They saw a broken, forgotten, messed up people, and they saw the plan. I think they got a small taste of the heart of the Father as they began to put the puzzle pieces together and realize, oh my goodness, Father, God, your heart is amazing, and I cannot stop declaring its praise. Come on. That's my theory, whatever theory you guys want. I think, that's what, I think that's what happened that night. Yeah, were they celebrating Jesus? Yes, but what did Jesus embody? That reconciliation between the Father and a lost world. Come on. So there's a 2,000-year-old prophecy. You guys want to know what it is? Hasn't happened yet. It's in this obscure letter written by this guy named Paul. And he said, creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God, the we hosts of God. And Paul said, but it hasn't happened yet. And I just think it's interesting as we're talking on reconciliation tonight the defining characteristic of these people who will be raised up, that creation's saying, please come, because our earth is experiencing starvation, sex, slavery, all these things. And the defining characteristic of those that will raise up to restore order is sons of God, daughters of God, right? So that's that automatic implication that there's this there's this deep connection between them and the Father. And that is what defines them. And I just, I really believe with all my heart, this is what God is wanting to do. Come on. Like, I think so often in scriptures when Jesus said he was the son of God, we thought he was like declaring a title over himself when really he was just showing this is, this is what's of primary importance to me. I've said this a hundred times. People sometimes like to quote, hell is used 41 times in the New Testament, whereas heaven's only used 27. The word father is used over 300 times in the New Testament, mostly by Jesus. <laughs> like, who... who had this central thing about him. Come on. All right. We're going to jump into 2 Corinthians five sixteen through 20. And that's the end of my notes. So we'll just see where we go from there. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. I'm just going to read it. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us. There's the word, reconciled. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. There it is. That's like the evidence. There it is. That's what so many people miss. They thought it was Jesus. And Jesus even said, it's not me, but we still get hung up on it. God was in Jesus. The heart of the Father was in Jesus. Wanting to reconcile a lost world to himself. I just got excited. Let's just keep reading here. Uh, Not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, he's handed us the baton now of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though now God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Oh. He's committed to us now the word of reconciliation. So what does that look like for us? It looks like two very simple things. One, um, if we are going to reconcile a lost and broken world to, to the heart of the Father, we have to encounter the heart of the Father. I was like, I'm, I know you guys are thinking, he's brilliant. No. <laughs> it's really, really simple. We have, to, we have to be possessed as Jesus was with the heart of a Father. For this world. It's uh, humbling for me to think like how far I still have to go. Right? But Lord, that I would, Father, that, man, this is like such a scary prayer. But that we would see people as you see them, God. Wow. Wow with the heart that you have for them. Me, Hannah, and Corey were talking about sometimes when we pray for people and we're feeling the heart of God for them, but they're not feeling it yet, you know? So you're weeping and they're looking at you. (laughs) That's why it's a scary prayer, right? Because it's not comfortable. And our world is not comfortable with the outward expressions of loving emotions. They're just not comfortable with it yet. I love that we're changing things in this place. This is a comfortable place to hug people. You can hug people in our church. I mean, not if they're weirded out by it, obviously. Like, we're not going to do that. But, like, what is that? It's just, it's just this understanding that we can be open with our emotions and love. Oh. But we're taking it to new levels, right? Because Jesus, um, Jesus walked into a funeral and began to weep. Just open emotionally, Father. At the, at, he felt the sorrow that the, they felt. Also being open emotionally sometimes looks like turning over tables, right? Because <laughs> it's like the same thing. He walks in and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys are charging people to, to meet with my Father. This is sick. This is wrong. And it, p- zeal consumed him. Wow, come on, God. More freedom for all of us, God. In that, He's committed us to us the word of reconciliation. So he said, here you go. Here's the word that I want you to take with you. I want you to just take this word of reconciliation. I want you to l- reach out to a broken world out there. Do it. Come on. That's all I got. There's two groups of people t- here tonight. We're all actually the same, but... Um. I want you to pick a group. I think there's the people here tonight that if you were to say honestly, you're like, you know what? I think I'm in that place where I really just need to encounter that heart for me before I can give it to anyone else. And that's an awesome, awesome place to be in. Um, it's just good. So there's that group of people here tonight that you're like, I just, Father, I need to encounter this because you can't give what you don't have. I tried it. I was like the Christian guy in college. Ash Charlie. I was amazing, but I didn't have any power or influence. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He saved me, though. He saved me, but he said, Ryan, you've got to forget everything you think you know. He's like, if you want what really matters, you're going to have to let all this other stuff go. Trying to look good for people and stuff like that. Mm. So maybe that's you here tonight. You're like, man, I just, Father, I want to encounter more of your heart for that world. Or just for me. And then there's another group here tonight that you're like, I want to be the, Lord, fill me up as a vessel. So maybe we're all in the same group. I don't know. Probably. Lord, (laughs) fill me up as a vessel to, to be poured out on a world. God is just, God is going to release lay down lovers. That's who he's going to send out. It's going to be the people that are just, they're, they're just messed up, but they've, they've felt his love. They know his love and they're willing to extend that hand to a lost generation. And I know there's a group of them here tonight. So I'm going to ask you guys all to do me a favor. Go ahead and stand up like we're getting ready for worship. And I'm going to read a story it's the story of Derek Redmond. I'm sure it rings a bell for everyone. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes and put out your hands. And just ask, we're gonna, I'm going to read this story and we're going to ask the Lord to just come and just use this to give us more. So the story goes, Unlike Carl Lewis and Daly Thompson, Derek Redmond is not a name that conjures up memories of Olympic gold medals, but it is Redmond who defines the essence of the human spirit. Redmond arrived at the 1992 Olympic Summer Games in Barcelona, determined to win a medal in the 400 meters. The color of the medal was meaningless. He just wanted to win one, just one. He had been forced to withdraw from the 400 at the 1988 games in Seoul, only 10 minutes before the race because of an Achilles tendon injury. He then underwent five surgeries over the next year. This was the same runner who had shattered the British 400-meter record at age 19. So when the 1992 games arrived, this was his time, his moment, his stage to show the world how good he was and who he was. Derek's father, Jim, had accompanied him to Barcelona, just as he did for all the world competitions. They were as close as a father and son could be inseparable, really, the best of friends. When Derek ran, it was as if his father were running next to him. The day of the race arrived. Father and son reminisce about what it took for Derek to get to this point. They talk about ignoring past heartbreaks, past failures. They agree that if anything bad happens, no matter what, it's Derek. it is that Derek has to finish the race, period. The top four finishers in each of the two semifinal heats qualify for the Olympic finals. As race time approaches for the semifinal 400 heat, Jim heads up to his seat at the top of the Olympic Stadium, not far from where the Olympic torch was lit just a few days earlier. He's wearing a t-shirt that reads, Have you hugged your foot today? <laughs> the stadium is packed with 65,000 fans, bracing themselves for one of the sport's greatest and most exciting spectacles. The race begins, and Redmond breaks from the pack and quickly seizes the lead. Keep it up, keep it up, Jim says to himself. Down the back stretch, only 175 meters away from finishing, Redmond is a shoe in to make the finals. Suddenly, he hears a pop in his right hamstring. He pulls up lame as if he's been shot. Oh no, Jim says to himself. His face, his face pales. His leg quivering, Redmond begins hopping on one leg, then slows down and falls to the track. As he lays on the track, clutching his right hamstring, a medical personnel unit runs toward him. At the same time, Jim Redmond, seeing his son in trouble, races down from the top rows of the stands. Sidestepping people, bumping into others, he has no credentials to be on the track. But all he thinks about is getting to his son to help him up. "'I wasn't going to be stopped by anyone,' he later tells the media. "'On the track, Redmond realizes his dream of an Olympic medal is gone. "'Tears run down his face. "'All I could think of was, I'm out of the Olympics again,' he would say. "'As the medical crew arrives with a stretcher, Redmond tells them, "'No, there's no way I'm getting on that stretcher. "'I'm going to finish my race.' "'Then, in a moment that will live forever in the minds of millions, "'Redmond lifts himself to his feet ever so slowly,' and starts hobbling down the track. The other runners have finished the race with Steve Lewis of the U.S. winning the, the contest in 44 seconds. Suddenly though, everyone realizes that Redmond isn't dropping out of the race. By hobbling off to the side of the track, no, he is actually continuing on one leg. He's going to attempt to hobble his way to the finish line all by himself, all in the name of his heart. Slowly the crowd in total disbelief rises and begins to roar. The roar gets louder and louder. Through through the searing pain, Redmond hears, hears the cheers, but I wasn't doing it for the crowd, he would later say. Whether people thought I was an idiot or a hero, I wanted to finish the race. I'm the one who has to live with it. One painful step at a time, each one a little slower and more painful than the one before, his face twisted with pain and tears. Redmond limps onward, and the crowd, many in tears, cheer him on. Suddenly... Jim Redmond finally gets to the bottom of the stands. He leaps over the railing, avoiding a security guard, and runs out to his son, with two security people chasing after him. That's my son out there, he yells back to security, and I'm going to help him. Finally, with Derek refusing to surrender and painfully limping along the track, Jim reaches his son at the final curve, about 120 meters from the finish, and wraps his arm around his waist. I'm here, son, Jim said softly, hugging his boy. We'll finish together. Derek puts his arms around his father's shoulders and sobs. Together, arm in arm, father and son, with 65,000 people cheering, clapping and crying, finished the race. Just as they vowed they would. A couple steps from the finish line, and with the crowd in an absolute frenzy, Jim releases the grip he has on his son so Derek could cross the finish line by himself. Then he throws his arms around Derek again, both crying along with everyone in the stands and on TV. I'm the proudest father alive, he tells the press afterwards, tears in his eyes. I'm prouder of him than I would have been had he won the gold medal. It took a lot of guts for him to do what he did. What's interesting about this story is... uh, No one remembers who the 400-meter winner that year was, really. (laughs) But uh, the picture of him and his dad actually got put on the Wheaties box. And Wheaties paid him uh, upwards of close to a million dollars for the rights to that story. Because they saw it so touched a nation. And it was the picture of the reconciliation.